0: Before we begin, uh, this week marks the 42nd anniversary of one of the darkest periods of our democracy. Civil liberties were suspended, citizens were thrown in jail, and the press was censored for 21 months when the emergency was declared on the 25th of June, 1975. I just wanted to take a moment and shout out to everyone in every capacity who stood up to fight openly and covertly against the emergency. Some of these fighters have made it to the top tiers of our political establishment today. But there are many, many, many unsung heroes. Over the last few days, I've been fortunate to hear from numerous people whose parents and grandparents had fought back and gone to jail in the process. You guys have raised the standard, and you fought when our democracy was suspended. Who knows, we might not have been here today publishing and podcasting if it weren't for you. it is the 28th of June, Wednesday evening. Pushan is back on the show today. And we're gonna be talking about the farm loan waiver bonanza and epidemic that's crippling the country. This is Trishita. Welcome back on the show.
1: Thank you so much, Chirak, for welcoming me again. And since you are beginning by remembering the emergency, I would like to bring to people's notice that this month on 28th of July, a film is being released based on the emergency. The name of the film is Hindu Sarkar. And I have seen the trailer. The trailer seems to be very good. It portrays the emergency for what it actually was. It seems to portray. You have increased my excitement to watch to watch that
0: film yeah i saw the trailer too and at the end of the day it is a film but i'm glad that at least it looks somewhat like an honest portrayal of that period and i think um it's it's always important to remember you know what it was like
1: definitely and the person who, who can be credited for safeguarding our democracy means the largest credit I'm talking, it goes to Jayaprakash Narayan, because after the emergency ended, it was he who forced all the opposition parties to fight the elections together under one name, that is the Janta Party. And this Janta Party, when it formed the government, it was able to reverse a lot of legislative damage done during the emergency. Like the 42nd Amendment. Lots of draconian provisions of the 42nd constitutional amendment were reversed yep. by the 44th constitutional amendment.
0: Uh, you know, you keep hearing uh, every year around this time, you keep hearing some old and some new stories from people who some incident, something that happened and the way they handled it. And it's amazing. It really is. So uh, you've been away for two weeks because you've been busy with your civil service exam or the UPSC exam, as it's known.
1: Yeah, they definitely went better than what I was expecting. So let's see if I qualify or not this year. But irrespective of that, I'm go- I'm not going
0: to leave it. So, so this is the first phase uh, of the of the of the exam, right? So there's a, there's I think will you get your results in in August now.
1: They are expected around August. But we won't get the okay. final result. We would just get the list of the people who are qualified for the main exam.
0: And and then when is the main exam held?
1: This year it is in October. Last week, 28th of October
0: okay and this is a much longer and i think more intense exam because this is this is what decides the actual placements
1: this is what matters williams is only gotcha. to reduce the number of people giving the mains exam right. this is the mains which counts okay
0: i i saw uh, i wanted to ask you about this i saw a tweet you know, it was saying something along the lines of that there were a lot of questions about new legislation that had been passed last year, like the Bainami property and, um, and, and I think GST and other things as well.
1: See, under the Modi government, current affairs has become the most important part of prelims exam. So Since Bainami Property Act was notified only last year, this is very much under current affairs. At least a quarter of the paper is asked from current affairs the Modi government wants to break the hold, that is break the grip of the Delhi classes. They want to bring in an equality, so that even a person who is from a village, who is unable to afford the Delhi classes fees and the accommodation there, even he gets an equal chance of clearing the exam. See, because for current affairs, you have to follow daily news. You have to read either the Hindu newspaper, or if Hindu is not available, then Indian Express newspaper, and whatever other online material which you can read means you, you don't need classes to teach you this you just need to have a habit of reading the newspaper and you should know what is useful in the newspaper for you
0: i, I think if you are someone who can follow current affairs and who can who, you know who's who's showing that level of interest and keenness i think because then that's the kind of people we want we want those dynamic people to be screened in as opposed to screened out to, tying into this just really quick you know we'll we'll talk about Uh, Someone who did clear the civil service exam many, many, many years ago, now former Bihar governor Ramnath Kovind, who is the NDA presidential candidate and and very likely to be our next president. Been about 10 days now since the announcement. Uh, So here's a guy who has been nominated as the as the candidate of uh, not just the NDA, but actually we've got, you know, a number of other political parties also supporting this candidature and he's currently on a tour across india to uh, visit different political establishments and and garner support in fact he was in he was in Srinagar this morning
1: see one thing which i consider bad is that if you observe the media and their writings on the presidential candidate of the NDA they are simply focusing on his caste right. they are not focusing on his educational qualifications also they are not focusing on his past achievements and they are portraying yep. him as if he is a novice to public life and before before the announcement it seems like no one has heard his
0: name yeah and i i found it i found it funny as well because mind you that this person has been the governor of Bihar for two years. But importantly, he was the governor of Bihar when the new government took over. Therefore, he was sitting there on stage issuing the oaths out. And in fact, anybody that was, uh, you know, aware of current affairs at the time would have known because there was little uh, goof up that happened where, you know, one of the ministers misread the oath and, and he was corrected. And so obviously, this picture was playing on every single piece of media Pages. But I, obviously it was very funny that you had people from the media and politicians who were present at that event or covering it, who were turning around and saying, we don't know who this person is. But also the ridiculousness of the debate that, you know, discussing presidential candidature to discussing his caste as if that's the reason why he was elected. And somehow the fact that he had written and cleared a civil services exam way back in the day, he was a, he was a lawyer that, that practiced in the Supreme Court since 1978. He's been a governor for two years. He's been a Rajya Sabha MP for two terms, which is 12 years nearly. How, where did all that go? Like, how did we, how is that not even factoring in the discussion? I think that's, that's, that's quite sad.
1: And you know, a funny thing is that one of the journalists tweeted the life story of a terrorist. But when the presidential nominee of India was announced, he tweeted, Ramnath Kovind, who?
0: Yeah, you know, this is, this is the guy who's going to be in our democracy's highest office in the country. And he has been a governor. So he was reporting to the same office. He's been reporting to Rashtrapati Bhavan for two years. So it's not like he's a novice even now. It's not like he was brought out of woodwork. It's a really unfortunate the way it's been described. I will be the first to admit, it's not like I didn't know who he was, but I didn't know his full history. And and the fact that he was uh, announced as a candidate made me look up uh, you know his past qualifications and and really this is an impressive cv
1: yeah from what i heard about him he is also a constitutional expert so that is what really matters for a post like the president of India and definitely not the cast.
0: Exactly. So you've got someone who has practiced in the Supreme Court and therefore is dealing in constitutional matters. Plus, he's been governor for two years. That does make him a great candidate for the post or where, where the implementation of the constitution, so to speak, is is paramount also really silly that there were certain tweets saying, oh, but, you know, so-and-so should have been made the candidate. He was more deserving. I understand that there's a lot of history and a lot of context and a lot of other factors involved. But, you know, when you are looking at a candidate for highest office in the country, you know, the credentials should matter. You You can't just ignore them. So he is... The candidate by looks of things and by looks of numbers he will be the next president of india
1: india definitely has the numbers we have got approximately 48 percent of the votes and with the support of other non-congress non-bjp parties like Janta jantadal the aia dmk prs and i guess even jdu they would easily cross at least 55 percent of the total votes of the electoral college
0: so we should mention of course so the opposition Uh, which is a a group of 17 parties who, beyond the Congress and RJD, don't really have a lot of uh, electoral votes either, but have appointed a separate candidate, former Lok Sabha Speaker Bira Kumar. Our main topic tonight, which is the farmer loan waiver epidemic. Let's look at a little bit of context to start. The current theories uh, began in Uttar Pradesh, where prior to the elections, Uh, The BJP, which went on to win, announced that they would waive off farmer loans, which they did. An estimated 36,000 crore waiver has been announced uh, with some defined criteria. This almost immediately led to multiple farmer agitations across the country. Notably, Maharashtra soon followed suit, uh, announced a farmer loan waiver to to the tune of about 34,000 crore. They actually set up a, uh, a committee to look into this. Punjab, they announced a, a loan waiver. Their numbers are roughly about 1,500 crore for the first installment. So the number is expected to rise up. They have far, far fewer criteria. It's, it's sort of a blanket amount that will be dished out to farmers of a certain size. Uh, Karnataka followed after that, uh, and this is the latest entrant. Uh, they announced a waiver. Uh, total has not been estimated, but they've announced a waiver of roughly 50,000 rupees for, against loans. Uh, their criteria is simply that it will only apply to corporate banks' loans and nothing else. So there's, there's a lot of farm loan waivers. It hasn't quite quelled down yet. It's still going on. And it's, it's sort of a little bit boggling because first reaction, this is not a great solution to what seems to be quite a deep problem, considering that we've got farmers all over the country agitating.
1: See, I think the biggest reason why BJP had to announce a farm for in Pradesh and its manifesto is that firstly, they were facing a strong opposition. Two major opposition parties of Uttar Pradesh out of three had united against the BJP. And if you consider the if you consider the political scenario of the country, the Pradesh is very critical if the BJP wants to come to power again in 2019. So, to defeat the combined might of two opposition parties, they were probably forced to announce a measure which is not good economically, but it is good politics. Another factor is, even if BJP would not have announced a loan waiver in Uttar Pradesh, it is highly likely that in the run-up to the 2019 Lok Sabha elections, the opposition parties would have demanded farm loan waivers throughout the country and at that time BJP may have been forced to announce it in its Lok Sabha manifesto. So it was like choosing between the devil and the deep sea. And if you consider the nature of the opposition parties, they have been using all sorts of tricks to target the BJP government. So you can take it for granted that even if BJP would not have announced the loan weaver in UP, the opposition parties would have started the nationwide farmer agitations for loan weavers at least by 2018 end. And this has led to Nationwide repercussions and nationwide demands for loan waivers. This is very
0: tragic. Yeah, I completely agree, and uh, I mean, and we're seeing the immediate cascading. It hasn't even taken that long. Uh, I mean, the UP government just completed 100 days this week, and the the worst part about this, we've had loan waivers since. I mean, it's been a long time, as you you mentioned the opposition and demand for laborers and stuff. But one of, you know, we've had one of our biggest loan waivers in 2008 and it was, an, it was a nationwide loan waiver, totaled about 60,000 crore because there was a, a loan waiver for 50,000 crore and then there was a rebate. Um, if you settled your loan immediately, uh, about 25% was another 10,000 crore. And you compare that against, say, a statistic, and I'm not saying this is the only statistic, but you look at farmer suicides, there were 16,000 plus farmer suicides between 2008 and 2014 which is the period immediately following the loan waiver. So it didn't it didn't solve the problem in terms of farmers being debt ridden not not only short term but also long term you know and then obviously there's also the problem where we've got a lot of these loans and these debt situations happening outside the formal economy. So there's no official loan from a bank and so what happens to those people? You know, you have someone who might be paying his loans uh, you know on time and then suddenly you have the situation where he's he's slaving to pay his monthly bills. And then you have someone else who hasn't paid anything and suddenly everybody's treated equal. And in fact, the guy who didn't pay anything is coming out ahead because he didn't pay anything. It sets such a bad message.
1: And since you mentioned the 2008 loan waiver, in 2008-2009, I guess Maharashtra got a loan waiver of... Approximately rupees six thousand nine hundred and eleven crores. But the problem is that the two regions of Maharashtra, which are suicide prone, where farmers commit suicide, that is, the Vidarbha region and the Marathwada region, they got only and only seventeen percent. Yeah, one seven of this of this amount, and fifty three percent of this amount went to Western Maharashtra, where farmer suicide is not a problem, and. Even after this loan waiver in Maharashtra alone, there were 1,605 suicides in 2009, 1,741 suicides in 2010. So this clearly means that the farmer loan waiver in the farm loan waiver in Maharashtra did not serve its purpose. Now, why it did not serve its purpose would present a definitely very interesting case study because we are to ensure that what happened in. 2008 with the farm loan waiver does not get repeated now. Few statistics from 2015. Uh, this is 2015. I would consider the pre-Janata Yojana era because Janda Yojana is still not spread to many districts of the country. In 2015, there were 29 lakh farmers with a bank account in Vidarbha and 31 lakh in Maratwada. So, total is 60 lakh farmers. But out of the 60 lakh farmers, the number of farmers who had Taken a loan at least once is, is 10 lakhs in Vidarbha and 15 lakhs in Maratwada. So you can say out of 60 lakh farmers who had a bank account, there are only 25 lakh farmers who got access to institutional credit at least once in their lifetime. So the question arises is when 35 lakh farmers have never got any loan from the bank, how will we, they benefit from any farm loan waiver? because of farm loan waivers, only wave of the loans taken from a bank or a, a finance company. It is a NBFC. But if you see, most of the farmers in Vidarbha and Maratwada regions, they are forced to take loan from moneylenders. And the reason behind this is wasted political interest. Now, earlier in the 1980s, 1990s, Maharashtra had a high proportion of cooperative banks lending loans to farmers. The share of commercial banks and the public sector banks was less and the, that of the cooperative banks was more. But these cooperative banks were unfortunately destroyed by vested interests of politicians. They were no more in a position to give loans to farmers. By you can say early 2000s, many farmers were forced to take loans from private money lenders who charge very hefty interest rates. Now, what Maharashtra government did after 2014, when the government changed, the Fadnavi's government gave a. Guarantee of rupees 500 crore to these banks so that they can start lending loans to farmers again. Because many of the cooperative banks were not in a position to lend loans to farmers. So this is a situation. Few of the points in the CAG report on the 2008 loan waiver. Needy farmers didn't get farm loan waiver while those who did not need gave, got it. For example, I have already stated the farmers who said prone regions that is Vidarbha and Maratwada got only 17%. Then, uh, the, another point which CAG report said is, funds were diverted and loans of NGOs were waived off. So, you can see what was happening. Besides, there was not proper verification of documents, again leading to misuse of funds. Then, there were some banks which gave dual benefits to the same beneficiary. There, are, there were cases where even those farmers who had not got any loan, got their loans waived off then the horticulture farmers got a loan waiver within first few weeks of getting the loan so there were many such cases of fraud as quoted in the CAG report many farm we vi- many farmers widows whose men committed suicide years ago got rupees 1 lakh as compensation but did not get electricity connection and pumps. In 2008, irrigation of 1,15,740 hectares was declared by Maharashtra government by completing big irrigation projects. But by 2015, only 20,000 hectares Was irrigated out of this so which is not even 20 percent of what was the target
0: yeah and i I was going to bring up the 2008 cag report because i think it's quite brutal um you know in in its um in its analysis of how the loans actually got distributed It's one of those things like it's it's actually a little report on how not to do a farmable loan waiver because there were so many irregularities and two things that i want to bring up that you mentioned because i think they're really really important first was that a lot of the banks received, you know, compensation against the loans, but then they used that to finance other things. So it, it did not benefit the farmer, if you look at it from a systemic point of view. And second, as you mentioned, you know, even in the cases where the waiver went back to the farmers, it, it, it never got put back into the system. It was not used for systemic things, as you mentioned, plumbing, irrigation, water, and, and all of this stuff. So to me, when you, when you, you know, as we studied and we discussed the 2008 loan waiver, I think it's no surprise to us why here we are in 2017 going through a, an epidemic of loan waivers. Because clearly 2008 didn't serve any purpose whatsoever. It just rejigged the money into the system and didn't help the farmers.
1: Now, almost all the committees formed on the agriculture have agreed on three few things they have said that farmers should get access to institutional credit they should get irrigation facilities and as well as electricity health facilities food security and proper prices so when you do not give irrigation and electricity to farmers but you go only give a loan waiver you are definitely not helping them and the statistics of farmer suicide post <laughs> the farm loan waiver only so this average Sorry. irrigation mm-hmm. capacity of Vidarbha, Maratwada in 2015 was less than what was the average in Maharashtra in 1994. So this is a situation.
0: You know, taking a, a like a one step back kind of situation. Um, you know, what what it tells sort of a it, it gives us a kind of a picture. One is that our agriculture ecosystem is you know is not serving farmers, and conversely. Our farmers are living in a very uh, crop-to-crop, season-to-season type of environment. Uh, we have, of course, we've had two years of drought, um, which last year was good. This year is expected to be good. But we've had two years of drought prior to that. And the problem that is starting to come, uh, come across is, you know, every time that happens, um, our, our farmers are are going through immense suffering, whether it's because they don't have access to savings, whether it's because, as you mentioned, the price of the crops are not at the level where they can make any savings. You know, there is a problem here already. Problem two is the solutions that we're providing, and we're providing them in the form of loan waivers every few years, uh, because it scores some kind of political, uh, you know, it gives some kind of political advantage, at least at the outset in terms of declaration of the loans, but they're not actually getting implemented correctly. So even, even right now, we've got, at least two states that have announced loan waivers with minimal criteria. So there is no differentiation between a farmer that has been that has taken a loan and has paid a certain percentage of it and is working towards the rest, but he's not done, versus a farmer that is outright defaulting. And you're creating a consistent environment where farmers will stop paying loans. Why should they pay loans? Because they know that then when the next election will arrive, or we'll we'll do an agitation and a loan waiver will get announced. And this is not to trivialize any farmer's suffering, but this is the This is the consequence of the cycle and the loop that we are stuck in. And we have been stuck in for for decades. And then three, you know, what should we be doing? Because obviously the farmers are suffering. Obviously something has to be done. Some relief has to be provided. We can understand that. But why and when and how are we going to start fixing systemic problems? As you mentioned, irrigation, water. I mean, if you look at, you know, the reports that keep coming out on not just on, on crop output, but also on, uh, you know, on on other things like uh, so, uh, sugarcane is a great example. It gets discussed a lot because it's very draining for the soil, but it gets it fetches good pricing. So without caring long about long term benefit of what they're growing, farmers are growing crops that are not necessarily good for them long term, but give them some kind of short term benefit. Yes, we have the Jandan Yojana, and I think the com- the combination of Jandan Yojana with direct benefit transfers and direct transfers or uh, any form of that is is great because it means that. We're cutting out some of the middlemen and we're trying to make sure that the farmers are getting their money. And I really, 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 really hope that these loan waivers that have been announced, you know, for starters, make it to the farmers before anything else happens. And in the meantime, in addition to building the agriculture ecosystem, we have to educate the farmers on how to manage their funds, how to manage their crops, how to manage their, you know, these the waivers themselves. Because if a farmer is going to get a loan waiver, look at that amount of money and spend it in in you know in everything but agriculture we're going to be here 5 years from now
1: all over again so regarding irrigation maharashtra government has uh, it has promoted a water conservation scheme which is known as jal Shivar scheme and even the waterman of india rajendra singh has praised this scheme and since i have many friends even in rural maharashtra so they are all very positive about this scheme because they are seeing the effects of this scheme firsthand so this scheme basically ensures that the rainwater does not simply see, it does not simply flow away it gets conserved in the lakes rivers and other su- tanks and other such water bodies and lakhs of works of water conservation have been done through this scheme and as the election results of 2015 and 20 oh, sorry, of 2016 and 2017 local body polls show bjp has made deep inroads into rural and semi urban maharashtra and this scheme is one of the primary reasons for this so at least on the irrigation front maharashtra is doing something
0: in fact honestly it's it's been a, a, one of the great schemes uh, that has been put out for for rural india um, and, you know, we, we, we had a very, very clear example when during the drought, not last year, but the year before, uh, Latur in Maharashtra, which received numerous trains filled with water uh, because of the severe drought that was going on in the state. Uh, and it was one of the worst affected areas. And then last year, between uh and, and a decent bout of rain, if I if I remember correctly, I think it was just one train load that had to go as opposed to double digit train loads the year before. And so clearly this is working. Uh, if you look at the statistics, even of Manrega, last year the majority amount of work was done in water conservation projects. Kalyuk Shivar, again was was one of the leaders, but there were four or five states where a majority of the days that were that were uh, you know, handed out as employment to uh, under Manrega were for water conservation scheme. So that's that's a great sign obviously and
1: another positive sign of this scheme is that in many villages people have volunteered for this scheme that is they have not taken any money to work but they have considered the benefits that the village will get and have offered voluntary service
0: yeah which is which is again great so i think i think on 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 this front it's good that we're seeing some positives and i'm trying to just see uh you know i think i think what i'm trying to do here is i'm trying to see what the positives are i think as a concept as i've already mentioned the fact that we're in a cycle of waivers is is a really really bad sign, uh, when you when you step back and look at it macroeconomically. But we have to now look at how do we break the cycle. What do we do? And so irrigation is one. Um, I, I mentioned as well things like direct benefit transfer and stuff, so that the middlemen are cut out and the farmers actually get the money they should they should be getting. And and this has been done even in in these e markets. So uh, the central government has set up numerous. Produce markets across the country. Farmers can come and sell their goods and sell their produce, and and funding and payments happens directly into their bank accounts when the government buys from the farmer. Uh, and in the process of setting up, as the government does every year, buffer stocks and all of these things. Uh, again, you know, it's not sort of, you know, because Jandan has been really pushed and farmers have accounts, the government can pay them directly. And this is again, this, these are good steps. Even the fact that in in a number of these in in the number of these waivers, especially Uttar Pradesh and Maharashtra, where, you know, specific criteria have been set. Someone becomes eligible only under certain conditions. And of course, the implementation is important. Of course, it's one thing to say that, you know, uh, you know, this will be the criteria for eligibility, but it's another thing to make sure that people that are implementing the scheme actually implement it based on the same criteria. And in fact, the the Maharashtra government has even come out and said that they're going to give up one month of salary to try and Offset. I don't. I don't know that it offsets significant percentage of thirty-four thousand crore. To be honest, but but it is a sign and a signal to say, hey, you know, we're going to sacrifice. Or we're going to give up one month salary to try and at least offset some of the burden that the loan waiver will do. But you know, uh, there were there were numerous jokes that were floating around as these loan waivers were getting discussed, and it came from the middle class. And the middle class turned around and said, you know, all this stuff is really good and it's great and it's wonderful. But what's next? Can I get a can I get a waiver on my home loan and I know it's a joke. I know that you know it's not an apple-to-apple comparison, but what worries me is that that's the mindset you're setting because that's how it looks. You get freebies every time you want to do something. You get freebies. It's okay if you don't pay your loan because hey, you'll get a freebie down the road. And this mindset really worries me. Honestly, I think it's extremely important to educate the farmers on how to use the money, how to develop better practices. Whether even if it's something as simple as crop insurance, we have amazing. Uh, centrally funded crop insurance health insurance life insurance schemes as far as i understand you know the the adoption of these things the things that are financially good long-term uh, things to do uh, you know we're, we're not there we we, do, we don't have that maturity to where, where the adoption of these schemes are not happening
1: Yeah, since you've talked about educating the farmers one scheme which we should look towards is the soil health card scheme. Many farmers do not know that what is the amount of fertilizers they require for their soil and hence they end up using excessive amount of fertilizers which is detrimental to the health of the soil. So Modi sensed this problem when he was chief minister of Gujarat. Even in, Gu- and hence in Gujarat he had introduced a soil health card scheme and now as prime minister he is replicating the same scheme across the nation where farmers not only get the uh, Percentage of nutrients in their soil, but they also get crop wise information about the amount of fertilizers they have to use if they are sowing a particular crop. So, this is very good for farmers. It, it would not only help them save money on fertilizers, but it would also prevent the health of their soil from deteriorating. Also, another big reason for farmers' distress in Maharashtra was that earlier they were forced to sell. All their produce through the APMC traders. APMC is I think agricultural produce marketing committees. So these APMC traders had monopoly over purchasing the produce of the farmers. So what used to happen is the APMC traders used to purchase the, the produce of the farmers at low prices and then there used to be a long chain of APMC traders and when the same fruits and vegetables used to reach the consumer, they were sold at exorbitantly high prices. So while the consumers had to pay very high prices, farmers hardly made any profits on their produce. So this was changed by Fudnavi's government. The government delisted fruits and vegetables from the the items which you have to compulsorily sell at APMC markets. So now farmers have the option of selling their produce to whoever wants to purchase it. So many farmers have taken advantage of this and they have collectively brought their produce to big cities and have directly sold it to consumer and this has led to reduction of prices for consumers, as well as the increase in gains for farmers. And this, combined with the other measures which the central government has taken, makes me feel that while in 2008 loan waiver was an isolationist measure for farmers welfare this time it won't be the case because this time it seems like along with the farmer loan waiver even other measures for providing electricity irrigation and proper prices to farmers are being are being placed so this is a major difference
0: yeah and i think that's that's kind of what i was trying to highlight as well which is you know we have to make sure we don't repeat the same mistakes. and I think it's extremely important. However, I, I still you know want to put this out as a, as a measure of caution, that, that because we've had multiple farmer loan waivers up to 2017, and in 2017, we have launched a series of farm loan waivers. It's extremely important that even even from a mental point of view, you know, we watch out two, three, five years down the road, because this will come up again, because we're we're still not broken the cycle. And as much as we will try and exclude certain farmers, because between now and say five years from now, they will now have access to say better markets, better soil, better irrigation, and better uh, value for their crop, uh, there will still be a decent percentage of farmers that that may not, that may be stuck in this. And we don't know. Again, we might hit another year of drought or two years of drought. And so it's extremely important, and why I'm stressing on education and. and and it's good. We've discussed numerous uh, educative measures for the farmers. It's extremely important that we, you know, we not lose sight of that because this is something that you know for me is something that is, is extremely repetitive in our economy and someone needs to take a step back and say, look, this is happening every five years. We can't expect solve it the same way every time and expect the result is going to change.
1: See, the state governments have a very important role to play here because agriculture is a state subject and even the schemes of the central government will have to be implemented by the state government. So what you said is a problem which can be solved more by the chief ministers than the prime minister. And at least in Maharashtra, I can say, Maharashtra is very well aware of this cycle and these problems. If you go by his speech in 2015, which he made in the Vidana Sabha. So he knows about the rural problems, the farmers' problems, and this entire cycle which you mentioned. So in Maharashtra, I am very hopeful that this cycle will be broken a few years down the line.
0: It's a good thing that you mentioned that. And so for the listeners that, that can understand Marathi, I will link to this speech in the show notes because I think it was fairly well articulated in terms of you know, why loan waivers don't work. One last thing that I want to add here is that what I also have liked, uh, at least in terms of trying to handle this, so the central government has, has put out a couple of statements via different ministers, clearly articulating that the states will have to deal with the the deficit that's created uh, if a loan waiver is approved. In fact, uh, and that's what's happening at the moment, right? We've got multiple states doing it, but the central government has, has stood firm on releasing money against waivers directly. I mean, the they are doing things like, as you mentioned, as we have mentioned, uh, you know, different schemes, but not waivers. I think that's a good sign, both because it'll make the state governments at least think a little bit about, you know, how they're going to fund these waivers. But it also sends a little bit of a good messaging from the center, uh, you know, that hey, we understand that you have a need for it and you're approving it. We, we're not going to reverse that decision, so to speak. Now that we can, uh, but we're not. We're not really, you know. About this as a solution to a problem. Okay, I think with that we'll come to an end to the show. Um, as always, thanks, Pushin.
1: Thank you to all our listeners.